He said, to the extent I desire to move through you, you must allow me to cut on the leader's cut. What's up, peeps? How's everybody doing? Welcome to the leader's cut. This is your first time joining the conversation. What's going on? It's great to have you here. Uh, this isn't just meant to be some kind of one-way teaching, not even meant to be some kind of two-way conversation. It's meant to be a cord of three strands conversation where the Holy Spirit is more involved than you or me in it. So I want to pray, uh, and, and I especially want to pray over me during <laughs> this prayer, because uh, I unfortunately have an earned doctorate in today's topic. So let's pray. Let's invite the Holy Spirit to come and cut all over us wherever he desires our flesh to be cut, making more room for his spirit. Spirit of the living God, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for not expecting me to do this life in my flesh, for loving me so much that you don't want me to do it in my flesh, that you mandate I not do it in my flesh. Thank you for your spirit, O oh God. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would invade. I pray for a tangible invasion wherever they are, whatever they're doing right now, while they watch or listen to this. Spirit of the living God, would you so move into the room they are in that it takes their breath away? I pray right now that they would open up their hearts to make all the room you want to cut on their hearts and cut on their flesh. Holy Spirit, do what I and we cannot do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right. Well, like I said, uh, I don't brag about this. Uh, but I, I imagine if we ask the Lord, um, the Lord would say that James Preston Morrison has an earned doctorate in pride stemming all the way back to his teens and early 20s. And so I'm not addressing this topic like a know-it-all. <laughs> I'm just trying to share as much of what I've learned because here's the reality. Uh, the more weighty the call of God on your life is, the more prone you probably will be to giving in to the temptation of walking in pride from time to time. And the Lord goes on record in Scripture and says some really, really, really strong things about pride. And so we need to have a very serious conversation about pride and why we must not walk in it going to answer some questions during this conversation. Here's the first question. What is pride? Well, if I go Webster's on you, Webster's says, a high or inordinate opinion of one's own dignity, importance, merit, or superiority, whether as cherished in the mind or as displayed in conduct. Pretty wordy definition. Here's Preston's simple man's definition of pride. Pride is an overestimation and overexaltation of one's accomplishments, abilities, assets, and ambitions. 
C.S. Lewis, when he talked about pride, said this, according to Christian teachers, the essential vice, the utmost evil is pride. Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are mere flea bites in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. Now, I intentionally, before we move to the next question, wanted to end with that phrase from the beloved C.S. Lewis. Pride is a completely anti-God state of mind. So it's serious. Okay, and, and listen, I'm, I'm going to talk about confidence um, because if, if, I know we've got some athletes who are in this conversation. Just uh, was on a Zoom yesterday with a, a guy who plays college baseball, and we were talking about the difference between pride and confidence. So I know we've got to uh, make sure we understand both. Uh, Here's, here's what I would say, and we'll get to this later. Pride is evil. Confidence is essential. And I'll tell you what confidence is essential for at the very end of this conversation. But pride is evil. You will never be able to, in my opinion, gain victory over pride as long as you think, eh, it's no big deal. It's only when you become as disgusted by pride as God is that you can begin to actually experience victory over it. As long as you tolerate it, you will walk in it. But when you become disgusted by it, you're more likely to remove it. Next question. What does pride actually look like? Okay, and this is where we're going to get extremely nuts and bolts practical. Here's how I would kind of paint the picture of pride. Pride looks like a very loud overconfidence placed in yourself and communicated to others in a way which cannot be backed up. Here's what you have to remember about pride. Pride is never silent. If you become the loudest person in the room, I know a lot of people would say you're a narcissist. My wife's calling me right now. She's out of town visiting our daughter in college. Hey, yo. You got to remember this about pride. If you walk into a room and you're the loudest person in the room, a lot of people would say, oh, there's the narcissist. Here's what I would say. There's the proud one. Here's why. Pride is never silent. Confidence can be quiet. But pride always verbally projects. I've shared this story with some of you before. But I'll, I'll repeat it. Uh, there was a time back in the day, first time uh, at Gateway, where I was in charge of overseeing the service while Pastor Robert was out of town. Pastor Jimmy Evans was the guest speaker that weekend. And I made a comment to several people uh, that originated in my heart. I first said this comment in my heart, and then I said it to a few people that I was going to absolutely destroy communion in front of Pastor Jimmy. I've told you before, at this point in time, my heart was toxic. I was frustrated with Pastor Robert, not because of him, but because of me. And I felt overlooked and I wanted a relationship with him. Um, but honestly, the way I was living, 
I could not steward relationship with him. So I was just frustrated and I wanted to prove something. And so I said in my heart, as well as to a few friends, I'm going to destroy this communion. It's going to be so good. I think I said it's going to be so memorable that Pastor Jimmy actually calls Pastor Robert and tells him about it. So I'm sitting on the stage like we used to back then, sitting next to Pastor Jimmy, feeling my oats. I'm, I'm a bad boy. Get up to do communion. And I am not exaggerating. I'm convinced to this day a spirit of confusion, a literal cloud of confusion rested upon my head. And as I'm setting up communion with the word I'd prepared, I am thinking like this. Oh, my word. Which, which of the two elements goes first? Is it the bread or is it the cup? The cup or is it the bread? And I'm going back and forth while I'm sharing the word. Finally, I get to the part where we have to take the elements and I just take a leap. And I bless the cup before the bread. Everybody knows it's bread first and wash it down with the cup. But that cloud of confusion had me convinced otherwise. But that's not the worst part of it. Because lots of people who've done communion have, have gotten the order out of order. I made it much worse. About halfway through blessing the cup, I had the thought, oh my word, it's bread first. And here's my next thought. Well, surely they know that and they didn't follow me. So what did I do? Instead of blessing the bread next, which would have been fine, I blessed the cup again. I gave the same word back to back about the cup and didn't even mention the bread. <laughs> One of the stupidest things I've ever done in my life. But listen, communion wasn't the stupid part. Pride was. This is what pride looks like. And listen, I'm going to try and make fun of myself a lot during this conversation because I want you I actually want you to be disgusted by the end of this thing. We're like, oh, Preston. Yeah, right. Right. I had to get there too. But remember, pride is very easy to see in others, but one of the hardest things to see in ourselves. So before you start looking at my direction too much, don't forget, this message isn't to you about me. This message is to you about you. Pride is ugly. It's not just evil. It's ugly. Let me say it like this. Pride has never and will never produce anything beautiful. It's literally impossible. If you want to make a great contribution on the earth, which brings glory to God, pride can never be used to do it. Pride's evil. Pride's ugly. Here's another question, though. Where did pride actually start? And we're going to talk about God's feelings about pride. But I, I honestly think part of the reason God feels the way he feels about pride because of where pride originated from. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12, 13, and 14 speak of Lucifer, the angel who would fall. And it says, how you are fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning, lowercase s. You've been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. 
And here's why Lucifer was thrown down. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. This is where pride started. And I I don't want to spend too much time here, but honestly, I, I do want to say something. I am incredibly curious about how this all went down. I can't wait to get to heaven to to get the full play-by-play of how this went down. Isaiah 14 is speaking of a moment after creation. So Lucifer's thrown down after creation. Well, Preston, how do you know that came after creation? Because angels are created beings. So this is after creation. Lucifer falls. And I'm curious as to how pride actually started in him. I just wonder. I'm not saying this is what happened. So please hear hear my heart. I'm not making some theological assertion. I'm just thinking out loud because I'm, I'm a student. I don't like to just watch what goes on. I like to try and understand why it went down the way it went down. Okay, so just know that about me as I tell you this. I wonder. I wonder if, if the beginning of pride started in a pure place. I wonder if Lucifer was watching God doting on Adam and Eve. And I wonder, a little something didn't start stirring around. That sounded a little bit like an orphan. Well, how come he doesn't notice me like that? How come, how come, how come? And then it created space for what then came out of his mouth. I'll put my throne above all of God's stars. I'll show him. That's essentially part of what Lucifer was saying. I'll show him. I'll get his attention. My throne will be above his, and I'm going to be just like God. Why would Lucifer say that? Again, I go back to, I wonder if it's because there was a little something in him as he watched man be made in God's image. Angels are not made in God's image. Man is. I just wonder. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm not saying this is what I do. I'm just curious because when I get to heaven, I got lots of questions. This is one of them. God, how did this start? Where did his pride originate? There's something to think about. Because I'll tell you, one of the common traits of an orphan is always pride. When you don't think anybody notices your accomplishments, you always speak loudly about your accomplishments. And so Lucifer did. He told everybody how awesome he was, how deserving of worship he was. I remember Proverbs 16, 18. This was one of the verses the Lord used me to absolutely break my spiritual kneecaps at the end of my season of pride in my early 20s. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction, Preston. Haughtiness 
before a fall. Preston, I was trying to show you from the beginning. Here's how dangerous pride is. It creates falls like that. He was near me. He was with me. Until he wasn't. Pride was what got between us. So let's, let's dig a little bit deeper. All right. That's where pride starts. Um, but let's, let's dig beneath the surface. Next question. What is pride's root system? Here's what you need to remember. Every sin is a fruit which has a root system. And in order to eliminate bad fruit, you have to eliminate the root. The root system of pride is insecurity. Let me say it another way. Arrogance is the number one cover-up for insecurity. The leaves of pride are designed to cover up the roots of insecurity. The deeper and beefier the roots of insecurity, the louder and prouder the pride must be in order to cover it up. If you want to uproot the plant of pride in your life, you must address its roots of insecurity. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is by digging around in the deepest soil of your heart. Most people don't dig around in the soil of their heart because they're afraid of what they'll find. That's a terrible way to see your heart and all of its maladies. Remember this, every single disease of the heart finds its cure in Jesus Christ. But if you're afraid to acknowledge the sickness, you will never be healed of what is making your heart so sick. If you've been walking in pride this week, and I promise I won't tell anyone else this, but I know why you've been walking in pride. You're scared. But pride is not the best way to overcome fear. The Prince of Peace is. Take a minute today and talk to the Lord about what's scaring you. Talk to him about why you felt the best way to deal with it was to walk in pride rather than to sit with your papa. If you will let the surgeon of heaven do work on your heart, I believe you're about to see a breathtaking miracle in your life. Okay, Preston. So now you're bringing insecurity into this whole discussion. Yeah, we got to talk about insecurity. Again, something else that I unfortunately have an earned doctorate in. It's typically... If you have an earned doctorate in pride, you, you first got an earned doctorate in insecurity. You're just trying to cover up your earned doctorate in insecurity with your earned doctorate in pride. Pride and insecurity always go hand in hand. Insecurity is what opens the door for pride. Insecurity, if you want to know what it is, here's kind of my perspective of insecurity. Insecurity is rooted in misplaced or misunderstood identity. That's where insecurity comes from, a misplaced or misunderstood identity. So let's talk about insecurity for a bit. Insecurity, uh, I made many mistakes because of insecurity. Insecurity always causes you 
to move too quickly. Confidence confidently waits, while insecurity immaturely rushes ahead. Let me show you this in scripture, Proverbs 25, verses 6 and 7. Don't demand an audience with the king. This is a verse, one of the three passages God used to knock my spiritual kneecaps out from underneath me at the end of my run of pride. Don't demand an audience with the king. Or push for a place, Preston, among the great. It's better to wait. Remember, confidence always confidently waits. It's better to wait for an invitation to the head table than to be sent away in public disgrace. This literally changed my world, flipped it upside down. I didn't even know that because of insecurity, I was constantly trying to get ahead of God's established pace for his process in my life. Insecurity, here's one of the things, let me say this. If you battle insecurity, you need to be really careful with social media. I'll tell you this right now. If I still battled insecurity the way I did when I was 22, I would not be on social media. Here's why. Social media can be one of the fastest ways to get sucked into the trap of comparison. And if you aren't secure in who God made you to be and says you are, you're going to compare to everyone else to try and find your perspective of who you are. So so be very careful with this, all right? But one of the things that happens when you start comparing with everybody else is you start trying to run faster than God asks you to run. You rush, right? And what does Proverbs 25 say, Preston? I have a process. This is Preston's paraphrase. I have a process. Now, now don't try and move that process faster than the timeline I've established. Because if you do, here's what's going to happen. Public disgrace. Operating in insecurity always leads to public embarrassment. Ask me how I know. (laughs) It's not pretty. But I'll tell you this. Once you realize it's a terrible way to live and you seek to understand and learn God's way, of living a humble yet confident life, I'm telling you, yes, insecurity and pride always lead to public embarrassment, but I will also say one of the safest places, one of the safest ways to live life is in humility. It's just better. It's quieter, not nearly as loud, but oh, it is so much better. Okay, so I I needed you to see a little bit about insecurity so that you know, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna at the end of this conversation we're gonna combat, right? We're gonna bring some scripture uh, and scriptural principles to help us get clear on getting secure, all right, and and overcoming insecurity, and that is with proper identity. Okay, so we'll get to that, but while we're here kind of in the negative, let's answer this question. What does pride cost? Well, I just told you. One of the biggest things pride costs is your dignity. Proverbs 11 verse 2 says, Pride 
leads to disgrace, Preston. Short, sweet, and to the point. Preston, pride leads to disgrace. It's never going to be good. It's never going to lead to a moment you're proud of. Never, ever, ever, Preston. Pride will never lead to a moment you are proud of. If I could go back and tell the young me anything about pride, that's what I would tell him. Preston, you think this is making you look better and bigger and stronger. It's actually making you look worse. You're disgracing yourself and you're bringing disgrace to the God you're trying to walk with. Now, why does pride so easily lead to disgrace? It's simple because pride is notorious for overpromising and under-delivering. Here's another story in my past. Um, I had transitioned from youth ministry at Gateway in the early days to uh, the young adults pastor. And uh, things started to go well. Uh, and it was absolutely the Lord. But it was kind of my first big test to see if, if I had really come to the other side of my battle with pride. And it had been a couple years, and so I thought I was fine. But seven, the young adult ministry started to blow up, and uh, so did my head a little bit, just being honest. And one Tuesday night, uh, we had some special guests who ran a massive media company. If I said the name of it, many of you would know it. And they were coming to watch the sermon um, and then talk to me about putting my sermons on their platform. And this was years, I mean, this was probably 15, 15 years ago. And so I'm, I'm kind of feeling my oats and I start bragging about it to people. So-and-so is going to be here tonight. And I get up to preach. Man, just being completely transparent, and this is one of the problems with pride. The Achilles heel of pride is it thinks only about you and not at all about God. And that's part of why it's hard for me to talk about because I'm, I'm not embarrassed in front of you, but I still do get embarrassed before the Lord at some of the stupid stuff that I did um, because I look back and I just wasted some years with him due to pride. And so it's hard to talk about, honestly, especially the ones, the stories I don't tell that often. Now I get up to preach and before the message, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm about to kill this. These guys are going to bring me a contract at the end of the service. My head was in such a bad space and I, I didn't realize I was retaking the test of pride and failing it real time. Again, the message didn't land. It can't land when you preach in pride. It'll never land the way a humble, Holy Spirit-driven message lands. And I remember looking out into the crowd and, and seeing their face. 
and there was confusion on their face. It was like, does this guy know what he's saying? And honestly, it, I believe it was the grace of the Lord um, to let me go through this so that I could see one last time. I don't ever want to go down that road again. Of course, long story short, um, they were not impressed, nor should they have been. Uh, it led to nothing, and they went on uh, to absolutely blow up in, a, in an amazing way their platform, and it was an opportunity that I missed out on. So let me try to help the young me process before you're in a situation like that. There are amazing opportunities coming your way, opportunities so God-sized that it will take your breath away. But you must remember this. Any opportunity you go into full of pride will be an opportunity someone more humble gets to steward on God's behalf. This, this was a really expensive lesson. Uh, I admit, I did not deserve and I, I could not have stewarded that opportunity. And others who were more humble and more anointed because of their humility, more humble than me, they got the opportunity, and I didn't. Not only did I not get the opportunity, I actually had to eat a, ma a massive plate of disgrace. And I know it sounds crazy. As much as I hate telling that story and as much as I hate that I did that, there is still a part of me that's grateful I experienced it. And I know that might sound crazy, but here's why. I think that was the linchpin for me. That was one of those sickening moments. You know, the, the communion moment was embarrassing. The young adult moment was sickening. Because God had been speaking, things were going well. I just did not understand how deep the pride was in me. So what will pride cost you? It'll cost you your dignity because it always leads to disgrace. So here's the question I would ask you. Do you wake up in the morning going, hmm, you know what my number one goal is today? I want to be publicly disgraced in front of everyone. <laughs> if, if that's how you roll, if you wake up every morning going, I want to be publicly disgraced, then wake up and walk in pride all day long. But if disgrace is something you want nothing to do with, then pride better be something you want nothing to do with too. Pride always leads to disgrace. Pride costs you your dignity. Here's the next question. Why does God hate pride? So I could have asked the question, how does God feel about pride? And I originally was. But I don't even want to hide from you how God feels about pride. God absolutely hates pride. And I don't know this just because of scripture. Unfortunately, I know this because of my life. And I want to try and help you so that you don't walk through what I did. God despises pride. Proverbs 16 verse 5 says, The Lord 
detests, is disgusted by the proud Preston. He will surely be punished. I'm personalizing it just like you should. Proverbs 6, 16 and 17 says, There are six things the Lord hates, Preston. No, seven things he detests. Look at what number one is on the list. I'm not going to read you all seven. Look at what number one is. Haughty eyes. A proud look. <laughs> What's a proud look? I remember one time uh, I, I had gotten a car. Uh, a friend worked at a dealership and helped me get a car that was beyond what Holly and I thought we could own. And and his wife were very gracious and and helped us get into this car and uh, it was the fastest car I'd ever owned uh, it was the most luxurious car I'd ever owned and, and I mean I was like probably 24 maybe 25 um, and I remember one time I parked this car it was brand new I parked this car in the parking lot at the church office and I got out of the car and I'm not going to do it right here. I strutted from my car door to my desk like an absolute idiotic peacock. Literally. I, I was strutting. I mean like massive bounce. And I felt the Lord go, what is that? And just the way he said it landed like a weight on me. I'm doing it again. I'm doing it again. Just off his tone, I could tell he was disgusted by my, my behavior. Now, why does God hate pride the way he does? Well, it's because pride is the belief that you can do it all by yourself. And remember, he wants to do everything with you. So the reason he hates sin is because sin is something you do apart from him. The reason he hates pride is because pride is something you do all by yourself. God can't stand pride because pride won't stand with God. Pride is the attitude of independence from God. And I have literally, like a fool, said this. God, I got this. Oh, I got this. And I was implying in my own strength, you don't need to help me on this. I got this. I, like a fool, uttered that multiple times in my past. I'll tell you this. I don't want to live like that anymore. I would rather be viewed as weak and remain humble then be viewed as strong and be proud. The number one reason I hate pride is because my best friend does. See, it wasn't until I started to pick up on his tone of how disgusted he was by my pride that I started to become disgusted by my own pride. Listen, if you're not as bothered by it as he is, You'll be more apt to do it, no matter how badly he does not want you to. He hates it. 
He hates it. He think about it. It's and we have to be really careful. It's it's not that I believe God hated me. I know it says God detests the proud. But it's not as though I felt he hated me. Preston, I hate you right now. No, I, I never felt that. But I could at times feel his disgust. As he was healing my heart of insecurity and, and freeing me from the bondage to pride that I had lived with for years and years, I'm, I'm telling you, the scale started to fall off when I started to be able to hear his tone of hatred towards my sin of pride. He hates haughty eyes. And I had one of the best pair of haughty eyes on the planet at the time. Preston, you're bragging about pride. No, I'm trying to expose it. It was terrible, and I can't even describe to you how bad it was. It's actually sweet that God hates pride. Because pride brings nothing good to my life. Every good and perfect gift comes down from him. Pride is one of the things that can most easily keep me from opening many of the gifts he wants to give me. And so it's sweet that, it, that he hates pride. Preston, I hate your pride because it separates you from me. This is the number one thing pride costs you, intimacy with God. I can't be intimate and arrogant. I had to make my choice. He literally said one day, Preston, you cannot be arrogant and intimate simultaneously. Which would you rather be? God, I want to be your best friend. Preston, you can't stand with me intimately. When you stand so arrogantly, all by yourself. Preston, this is why I hate pride, because I love you. Okay, last question, but we've got to cover four answers, okay? So how do I overcome pride? Okay, Preston, I get it. God's made the case. Pride's disgusting. He wants me to have nothing to do with it. So how do I overcome pride? It seems like you got to the other side of pride, Preston. How do I do it? Okay, well, I hope I have, but I have to be cognizant that I could go back to it at any moment. Here's what I would say. I'll share four things with you that have really helped me to overcome pride. First, compare yourself to God, not man. You want to nip pride in the bud? Compare yourself to God, not man. It's easy to get cocky when you compare yourself to people who are less than you in many ways. But it's impossible to get cocky when you compare yourself to the one who is greater than you in every way. Job is one of the best pictures of this very principle. I don't have time to read as near as much as I would like to because uh, Job is such a phenomenal book uh, that involves some really weighty conversations. And I'll give you just a little bit of setup to some of Job's cockiness. Now, there was a measure of his confidence that, that was 
Correct. Think about it. God says to Satan, oh, I've got nobody like Job. You could search the whole earth. I got nobody like Job. So God was saying this about Job. So as we read through a little bit of, of Job's wrestling with, with arrogance, well, God, I'm this and I'm this and I don't deserve all of this because I'm this and this. We see it throughout the whole book of Job. Then we get to the end, the last couple of chapters. Job 38, 39, and 40 are absolutely three of my favorite run of chapters. It's, it's just almost, this is strong language. It's almost impossible to beat for me. It's for sure in my top three favorite run of chapters back to back to back. Because it's as though for the first, between essentially chapter two and chapter 37, God lets Job talk. And then Job 38 verse one. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Now, you can go study this out. Job had ticked the Lord off with his arrogance. Watch what God says to Job. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man, because I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. Watch the questions, and I'm just going to read you a couple of them. Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundations? And who laid its cornerstone? As the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Who kept the sea inside its boundaries as it burst from the womb? And as I clothed it with clouds and wrapped it in thick darkness. For I locked it behind barred gates, limiting its shores. God says, I said, Job, this far and no further will you come. Hear your proud waves must stop. Job, have you ever commanded the morning to appear and cause the dawn to rise in the east? Have you ever made daylight spread to the ends of the earth to bring an end to the night's wickedness? Okay, this is just the beginning of one of the most amazing runs, three chapter runs that, that culminates in Job 40. But God literally, and, and I so love this because this is how I felt God manhandled me <laughs> in a hotel room in Houston, Texas with, with his word, but also with that firm shepherd's staff. I got whooped in that suite overlooking downtown Houston. And this is what it sounded like. I mean, it, it was literally, where were you? Preston, when I laid the foundations of the earth. Preston, when was the last time you told the seas to stay in place? I, I mean, I, I could totally hear this tone because I've heard it before. I'm, I'm reading this to you, though, because here's what I think God was doing. He was teaching Job how to overcome pride. Too many of us struggle with comparison. God himself, though, in the presence of Satan, compared Job to everyone on the earth and said there's nobody like him. 
I think in Job 39, 38 and 39, when God goes on this run, he's actually not just putting Job in his place. He's helping Job understand how to overcome pride. And watch how Job responds in chapter 40, verses 1 through 5. So God goes on this multi-chapter run. (laughs) Then verse 1 of Job 40, Then the Lord said to Job, Do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You're God's critics. Critic. But do you have the answers? He's like, Cupcake, you still want to keep going? Because I can keep going forever, Job. You, you, you want to keep arguing? Watch. Then Job replied to the Lord. I am nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hand. I have said too much already. I have nothing more to say. <laughs> I hope this is what I look like when I, I finally got to the other side of pride. Why was it so easy for the guy for whom there was not another comparison on the earth for? How did this guy go from a a pretty big measure of pride to a divine measure of humility? Here's the answer. He compared himself to God and God compared himself to Job. And what was the result? It put Job in his place, where instead of being mouthy, Job said, here's the only response I know to have. Can I just tell you from experience? I never slept well when I was loud and needed a bunch of attention. I started to sleep oh so well whenever I got quiet and needed no attention. But pride will never let you be quiet. Pride is never silent. One of pride's favorite behaviors is comparison. If you're going to compare yourself to anyone, don't compare yourself to someone Lowercase s. Compare yourself to the one. Isaiah 40. He sits above the circle of the earth and the people below are like grasshoppers to him. <laughs> I love that picture. God, I'm not even a grasshopper to you. In scope or strength. Yet you want to be my friend. And this is where I want to really transition to some identity stuff. Because I will tell you, um, pre-freedom from pride, I had a very misplaced and completely misunderstood identity. Uh, My identity was earthly. My identity was in me alone. My identity was not in Christ. And so I want to show you a couple of things that the Lord absolutely used to free me from the bondage I was under to pride. Here's the second way you overcome pride. You emphasize sonship over statistics. Now, ladies, I know 
I'm using the word sonship, but I'm talking about you too. I just wanted to use an S. Okay. It's easy to remember. Emphasize sonship, daughtership, more than statistics. When I was young, I wanted to be a great basketball player. And then I realized I was not going to be able to play basketball at the highest level. Then I wanted to be a great preacher and pastor. And I didn't realize until I was older that the reason I wanted to be great at those things is actually because deep down, I had this belief that I would never be great because I wasn't great. So I thought I had to prove that I was great just so people would understand what an asset I was. If you take out the ET, that's me before pride. But I just wanted, the little boy just wanted someone to say, Preston, I see you. You've got such great gifts. But I didn't hear it. It wasn't that they didn't say it. I just didn't hear it. It's walking in my flesh. And, you know, it just got to a place where stats became my thing. And it started with basketball. And listen, if you're an athlete, you understand. We monitor our progress statistically. We measure our performance numerically. I get it. That's not inherently evil. If you have uh, an investment portfolio, maybe for retirement, let's say you had 20 different stocks in that portfolio. It's not evil to monitor the health of each company numerically. That's good, okay? But you can't become addicted to stats. And pride is typically addicted to stats. One of the ways you know you're severely battling insecurity is you're a stats person. You're always telling people your stats. And I'm not poking at you. I'm telling you, this is exactly what I did. And so let me try and illustrate this a little bit for you. Okay. Sonship over statistics. Have you ever tried to focus on something, but you had a really hard time because someone was distracting you? This happened to me the other night. Uh, The new Star Wars uh, TV show on Disney Plus came out, uh, Ahsoka, I'm, I'm a fairly major Star Wars human, uh, and Marvel. That's not your thing. No worry. It's mine. And so I was so excited. It had just come out. And so I'm, I'm watching Ahsoka. And um, the four-year-old we're fostering right now barges into the room, and he just wants to be with me. Dad! Da-da-da-da-da! Dad, da 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 da. I'm like Maxon. I'm trying to watch my show. Dad, da 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 da. Da 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 da. Dad, da 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 da. Da 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 da. Like a hundred different times. He did it through the whole episode. And I actually had to go back and rewatch it because I was so distracted by all of his distractions. I want to help you understand something that really set me free. It was one moment and one day. Where I felt the Lord say, 
Preston, it's nearly impossible to focus on your statistics when you realize I shower you with a million I love yous every day of your life. I was addicted to stats because I felt like it was the only proof I had that I was something. And here the God of the universe was saying, Preston, don't settle for stats. I've set my spirit inside of you as the first portion of your inheritance from me. I want to be best friends with you forever. And that starts with being my son. Preston, players monitor their production, but children monitor their proximity. Son, you need to get a revelation that will help get your eyes off your stats. Preston, I'm so much worse than Maxim. I don't distract you a hundred times a day with I love you. Preston, it's a million plus times a day. I stand over you everywhere you go, no matter what you're doing, saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. This is what I do with Maxim. I love you, 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 all the way to the moon and back seven million times. And the Lord says, Preston, if you really got a revelation of how many times I shower my I love yous over you every day, you'd realize it's actually impossible to focus on your stats because every time you would start to see a number, I'd jump in front of your face and go, I love you. 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 And you would immediately stop caring about your stats. Here's what I learned. Nothing I will ever do will ever be better than being his son. Except maybe one thing. Here's the third way to overcome pride. Develop your friendship with God more than your fan base of men. This is part of what I've been wrestling with. And it's been my biggest question. I mean, I, I get embarrassed talking about this stuff because it's so private and I, I feel like people will read into what I say and, and, and impose ungodly intent. And, and so it's, it's really hard for me to talk about. But one of the things I'm saying to the Lord is, Lord, as I come out of hiding, my number one fear is that things would get too out of control over here because of the people that it would cost me my intimate friendship with you. And I've been wrestling with this. Lord, I don't, I don't even know if I want to go out there because I'm afraid it's going to cost me what we have. And it wasn't until this week as I was preparing for this conversation with you that I felt the Lord say, Preston, key is to continue to develop our friendship. <laughs> it's so hard for me to talk about it in front of people, but I'm just telling you, it was like when he said it, I, I heard all over again as though it were the first time. I want to be best friends with you, Preston. And I know you're so excited about what we've experienced to this point, but son, 
It's going to get so much better than this. Just keep developing your friendship with me. Preston, some silly fan base will never be overwhelming to you if you just stay my best friend. It's the cry of my heart. It's why to this day, pride is so disgusting to me. My pride, I'm not talking about yours. Because I look back and I see how much distance it created between me and him. And I don't try and roll the way that I roll now because I'm afraid to walk in pride. Now it's so much deeper and bigger than that. I try and roll the way that I'm rolling because I don't want any distance between us. And if the first thing on his list of things he hates is pride, I don't want anything to do with it. If pride refuses to stand with him, I don't want to have anything to do with it. And I'm trying to beg the young me, no matter what age you are, whether you're a young man, a young woman, I'm begging you. Don't be stupid like me. Pride isn't worth what it costs you. It inhibits your intimate friendship with the God of the universe. So when the Lord tells me, Preston, one of the ways to overcome pride is to continue developing your friendship with me more than your fan base on the earth. Here's, here was my response. Lord, that's the cry of my heart. That's the thing I want most. I just want to be your best friend. And this is what he said in response. Preston, the thing you most want to be known for reveals your life's highest priority. It's okay to be known for something, Preston. But the fact that the little boy says, I'm going to be known for anything, I just want to be known. This is why he had to beat my behind as it relates to pride. Because we couldn't have become best friends as long as I was so willing and desiring to stand in pride all by myself. A billion fans could never make you feel the way my best friend makes me feel. Couldn't. I don't care what you do, whether you play rugby in South Africa, whether you play football in Mexico, whether you're the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. The greatest cheers of a billion fans could never make you feel the way my best friend makes me feel. Capital B, capital F.
And when I try and paint this picture for you that God stands over you, you know, David said, your thoughts about me are innumerable, even more than, than the grains of sand on the earth. It's this picture of him showering his I love yous over you all day long. Here's one of the things you need to remember. Scripture says, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, pray without ceasing. One of the benefits of attempting to pray without ceasing is you hear God talking while everyone else is talking. I can be talking with you and hear my best friend talking to me at the same time. And what God says to and about me is so overwhelming that it drowns out the flattery of man before it ever hits my heart. How? How could a comment from the most famous person on the earth left in in your social media timeline, how could a comment from the most famous person on the earth come anywhere near a divine compliment from the creator of all things when he's your best friend. I, I, I readily admit when I was younger, I looked for all of your affirmation. I wanted it from you because I, I did not feel confident about me and who God had made me to be. And so I looked for you to tell me. I looked for you to affirm me. But I was miserable because everybody's so up and down and, and, and I just, I learned I can't live like that. But I also learned if God only paid me one compliment as his best friend, I wouldn't need another compliment for the rest of my days on this earth. Nothing I will ever be will ever be better than being God's friend. It's the most simple way to describe the man I want to be. I don't say I want to be great the way I used to. What I say far more is I want to be near. God, it's okay if I'm not great on the earth. Just let me be your friend while no one's watching. I'm begging you. Don't make your life all about yourself. I tried it and it's hollow. The best way to live is as God's best friend. When you do, pride will rarely be a problem for you. Here's the last thing. And I got to kind of dry up the tears for this one because I'm going to get a little bit riled up. Because I don't want you to think that the only way to overcome pride is to be weak. That's not true. Here's the fourth thing, the last thing we'll talk about. The fourth thing uh, that will help you overcome pride. Walk in confidence. Confidence comes from understanding how prepared you are. Pride comes from focusing on how awesome you are. Confidence comes from knowing he is with you. Pride comes from thinking you can do it all by yourself. 
here's the deal. And I just had this conversation with a kid playing baseball in college right now. How do you walk the fine line? And, and here's part of what I said. And I believe this with all of my heart. And it might shock some of you. Confidence is essential for bringing God glory. Confidence is essential. Not arrogance. Confidence. Confidence is essential if you want to bring God more glory. So what does godly confidence look like? Really simple answer because God gives it in scripture. I think godly confidence looks like King David just before Goliath goes down. Remember the picture? Goliath's taunting the army of Israel. Ruddy little boy comes out. Goliath mocks him. You think you're going to take me out, little boy? And David doesn't walk out in arrogance. His brothers acted like he was arrogant, but I would say his brothers acted like he was arrogant because they were jealous. Because David wasn't actually arrogant. You could maybe say that about Joseph in his early days, but you can't say that, in my opinion, about King David. Because how does David go out before Goliath? He doesn't look at his brothers and go, watch what I'm about to do. That's how pride talks. He looks directly at Goliath while Goliath is mocking his size and appeared lack of strength. David says, oh, listen, presence paraphrase, cupcake. Listen, cupcake. I know everyone's afraid of you in this valley, but I'm not. And let me tell you why. Again, this is Preston's paraphrase. You can go read it for yourself. He says, I've prepared for this moment. Not in my own strength, but in anonymity with my God. I've been learning how to throw this rock while no one was watching. And I've passed the test with my God. Defeating the lion. And I've seen my God take the bear down too. And Goliath, because I've seen my God take the bear and the lion down, I want you to know today, I'm going to see my God take you down. And then I'm going to cut your head off. <laughs> This is godly confidence. This is it right here. This is it. It's not cockiness. He doesn't say, I, 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 me, I'm the man. I killed the lion. I killed the bear. He literally says, I, I've seen my God kill the lion and the bear using my hands. And today I'll see my God take you down. And then I'm going to do my part. God's going to take you down. And I'm going to chop off your head. I get this is a little gory. But, but it's also beautiful. David shows us what confidence is. Listen, if you play a sport, it's absolutely okay to walk out onto the court with confidence. If you don't, you already know you're going to get run over like a freight train. You have to walk out with confidence. 
doesn't mean you have to live with cockiness. Confidence knows you're prepared for the moment. That's what confidence does. Cockiness tries to hide insecurity. Boasts loudly. Tries to distract from what it doesn't want you to see. Failure. God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Be confident, kid. Be confident. I'm with you. I'm moving among you. Listen, I, I, while I don't battle pride anymore, I will tell you, and the people who run around me will, will, would probably agree with this, I don't lack confidence. And, and I'm not saying in myself. I'm, I might battle a little bit of confidence in myself. If I start thinking too much about me, I always start to lack a little bit of confidence. But I have the most confidence when I'm focused on my best friend. This is what David taught me and is trying to teach you. Preston, yes, you're going to take down a bear and a lion, but it's not going to be because of your own strength. It's going to be because you partnered with God and God partnered with you. So never forget, you can walk in confidence knowing that that is always a possibility. So you can go to the valley, not with cockiness, but with confidence. If God is with you, Preston, you should be confident. Never act like one whom God is not with. The one God is not with is never confident. Because their only hope is in themselves. I'm telling you, I want you to be more confident. But the only place to find your confidence is in the secret place. You ain't going to find it putting up more shots, buddy. Prepare. David practiced throwing the rock. I'm telling you not to. But I'm telling you that that's like entry-level confidence. Uh, let me say it like this. David was more confident in his God than he was in his own ability or preparation for the moment. Holla. You better be confident to go out against Goliath. But what the enemy wants, he wants you to go out and face Goliath in pride. The difference, pride, solely focused on me. Godly confidence is solely focused on God. This is how you overcome pride. I know we went a, a, a touch longer than normal. We, ha we had to cover a lot of ground, but this is an important subject to me because it, the enemy attempted to ruin my life using it, using pride. And uh, just like fear, I'm passionate about trying to help people who are battling fear. I'm passionate about helping people who are drowning uh, in bondage to pride. And... If you're a follower of Jesus, you are a son or daughter of God Most High. Your proximity to him should always create an ever-increasing confidence in him. The closer I get to him, the more confident I am in him. And that's not bad. I'm not confident in me. I tried that. Confident in him. So no matter how big the giant, I know as long 
as I stand with him and follow his lead, the giants will always go down before him. So if I'm standing with him and giants always go down before him, then by proxy, because of my standing with him, I'll see the giants go down too. I want to pray over you, especially those of you who, for whom pride is, is a struggle from time to time. And listen, don't feel condemnation. I, I'm, I'm positive I was way worse than you are. Okay? But I do want you to sense a measure of conviction and have a greater understanding of how much your pride is costing you right now. So if you're prone to battle pride, let me just pray over you and everyone else as we wrap up our time. God, thank you so much for your mercy and your grace. I don't deserve to be best friends with you. I don't. <laughs> oh, I, I tried to find as many ways to disqualify myself as I possibly could, but God, who is rich in mercy and grace, sent your son to bleed out for me, to cover all of my foolishness so that we could be best friends. Lord, I pray over any of my brothers and sisters who are prone to battling pride. Holy Spirit, I just ask you right now to sweetly and tangibly visit them right now. Holy Spirit, would you just place your hand on their heart? Would you comfort them? as the capital C comforter. May your comfort be heaven's anesthetic as you cut insecurity out of their heart. Lord, I pray insecurity would be uprooted in my brothers and sisters forever. May their security come from their understanding of who you say they are. God, I ask you to close every dumb door a spirit of pride has opened in their lives. I ask you, Lord, to draw them so close to you and to spur them on to draw so near to you that they never compare themselves to any human or created thing ever again. They're going to compare me, they compare to you. Behold your beauty and your power in awe and wonder. rather than in pride, fixate on how awesome they think they are. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Holy Spirit, I pray, you would set the captive free. Jesus, that's why you came. Would you set the captive free? Never 
who struggle with pride ever again. Would you put the same taste in their mouth for pride as you put in mine? May it disgust them because it disgusts you. Holy Spirit, would you visit them? And I pray for every other person, those who don't struggle with pride. I just pray your richest blessings over them. And I ask you to tangibly visit each of them and to render them speechless as you walk in the room. Oh, that you would take their breath away and fill them with your breath, the breath of life. God, thank you for this time. Holy Spirit, may your words take root in their lives. May my words be forgotten forever. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you so much. And I, I, I'm grateful that you give me a little space, uh, whether it's just getting a little emotional or whether it's getting sometimes a little too strong. Thanks for extending grace. Thanks for making this a safe place. Sit across the table. I love every one of you so much. And I have so enjoyed, uh, so many people have jumped in the DMs on Instagram. Uh, I, I love the conversation and I love what God is doing in your life. I love you so, so much. Can't wait to see you next week. <laughs>